Your hosts are here, Sammy and Michelle. By the end of this podcast, you'll know them well. Adulting, navigating the journey of life. Careers to relationships, pain and strife. Put down the rule book. Rethink the status quo. If there's another direction you want to go, find purpose, passion and mastery in all that you do with Status Post Adulting. Hey, Status Post Adulting fam. This is Sammy. And Michelle. And you're listening to the 58th episode of Status Post Adulting, where we are talking about how how you do one thing is how you do everything. But first, let me check in with my co-host, Michelle. How are you doing, Michelle? I'm good, Sammy. We are literally coming to you live this week from our closets. Yes, you know, we ha- may have noticed that there was a little bit of echo on the previous episodes and our new home doesn't have carpet. I think that contributes somewhat to it. And we want to make sure we maintain really good sound quality and for some reason, the closet is a great place for that. It's filled with clothes, aka acoustic absorbing walls. And hopefully this week's episode sounds a little bit better. Yeah, but if you don't care, let us know. We can take a vote because <laughs> this is probably how we're going to be recording our episodes moving forward. All that being said, Sammy, I did have a question for you. I was thinking about something recently. Tell me. Okay, a little backstory. I am sure you have not heard of the documentary that came out, The the Tinder Swindler. No, I have no idea what you're talking about. I didn't think so. I haven't watched it. I think it's on Netflix, but a lot of social media has been talking about it, a lot of podcasts, and a podcast I was listening to was talking about it last week, so it did get me thinking. So a little bit of background for you, and I guess anybody who didn't watch it, which, good for you, way to do better things with your time. With the Tindler Swindler, basically it's this guy who met girls on Tinder and conned many, many women out of like thousands and thousands of dollars. Like he would just convince them to give him loans. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering, between the two of us, who do you think would be more likely to like get conned and give a loan out to someone that we started dating? 100% me. And that's why you asked me. <laughs> Why do you say that? Because I'm just like, I would do something like that and do not <laughs> prey on me. But yes, I think I would do something like that for sure. I've also thought more likely you. So did you just bring this conversation up to tell me that you think I'm a mark for these kind of scams? This is an intervention. Now that I know the Tiddler's and Lure is out there, I want you to be careful because somebody's out there conning people from their money. But honestly, like this guy, I think was like pretty extensive with his cons. He actually pretended to be very rich and stuff. And I don't think that would have worked on either of us. No. But I do think like like any old dude that you started dating, if they were like, hey, like I'm kind of down enough for some money. Like I think you would give them money. Why did you say any old dude? Any person (laughs) of average age. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, you're right. I am more likely to do that than you. Sammy is much more likely to fall for scams than I am. But I do, I did notice that Tinder swindler is a very difficult phrase for you. (laughs) Tinder swindler. It's like all the worst letters for you possible. Tinder swindler. I hear nothing wrong. (laughs) This time it was fine. Michelle, you know, she's 
not great with her R's, add a W in there, things get crazy. And so, yeah, so she was part of sorority. She's part of her sorority in college. <laughs> that is so rude. You're making fun of my accent. And that's very offensive to me. <laughs> yeah. How did you turn this on me? Okay. <laughs> if you're going to make fun of me about being a Mark, then I'm going to make fun of you about having a problem enunciating R's. Well, you know, first off, I didn't think that you would so readily agree to it. Okay. I thought maybe you would. <laughs> For like even a second, entertain the fact that it could be me, but I literally fall for people on the street. Yeah, especially like people who had their kids with them, and they're like, "Will you buy me diapers?" I'm like, "Next thing you know, I'm at CVS." <laughs> I'm like, "I don't have any cash, but like, what size are these people?" Like, I'm like, how old? This is a true story. Like, when do people stop wearing diapers? Like, they look too old for that. Sammy, like, comes home and tells us these things, and we're like, oh, my gosh. Like, on one hand, like, she's a kind person. You are a kinder person. But you just, like, know, like, there's no hesitation for you. One time, Sammy and I were going to Tahoe with some of our friends, and we stopped at night at a Walmart. And our friends were grabbing something. We grabbed something, and we're like, perfect, we'll meet you out by the car. So we go to the car and all of a sudden this van filled with women <laughs> pop up and they start chatting with Sammy and Sammy's like talking to them and I see her moving closer and closer to the van and I literally grab her arm and I'm like, let's go. And I like put, drag her back into Walmart and then she's <laughs> accusing me. <laughs> she's like, those women were like running. She had like a whole narrative. Yeah, they weren't just chatting with me. Okay, they had es- escaped their... <laughs> one one of their abusive husbands and they i don't know what they needed you know that's when they're talking quieter and quieter i'm like are you just looking for cash like do you want gas like what is it that you want i'm like these people are about to grab my sister i didn't realize this is a common scam that people try to get you into your van so psa if there is a van full of women and they start talking quietly do not move closer to that van if a van full of people ever approach you, <laughs> do not. <laughs> but yeah, so I did think for that reason that you'd be more likely to fall for the scam. The only reason I thought that I could potentially fall for it is because I'm much more likely to date someone who is legitimately not making money. That's so true. Anyway, so glad you brought that up. Because we can often recognize what type of people they are by how they do one thing. Because how you do one thing is how you do everything. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. We've heard this phrase in a lot of different places. Most commonly with Mystic Michaela of Know Your Aura podcast. Huge fans of the Know Your Aura podcast and Mystic Michaela love you. But she always talks about how you do one thing is how you do everything. And we try to look up where this quote came from. They say maybe it's a Zen Buddhist quote. Simon Sinek also talks about it. Maybe it's a consulting thing. Like, I feel like we found a lot of consulting videos when we were trying to research this. A lot of Australian consulting videos in particular. (laughs) This must be a common phrase there, which is great because we think it's really apt just for your personal life and for yourself, too. Michelle and I were watching a video recently, which I think really exemplified this concept. And it was actually a video of our little cousin in India and his dad, who is also our cousin was videotaping him secretly while he was folding the clothes. And it was so funny because he started folding this piece of clothing and then, like, you could tell he was, like, looking at it and he's just, like, displeased with how it was folded. And so then he, like, undoes the whole thing. And I don't know how old he is. I'm guessing, like, maybe seven-ish. 
No, like five. Like, like very young. And then he starts folding it again. And his dad is like literally doing commentary and like mocking him while doing this. And I thought it was so apt because one, I could see myself in that little kid. <laughs> <laughs> it was very particular. Like this was this kid's like free time, I think. Yeah. Like it wasn't like a chore. Like this was like you could tell like this was something he wanted to do. And he was like very determined to do it correctly. Yes. And it was very much a how you do one thing is how you do everything. Like you see that kid and you're like, he's going to do something great. Like he's going to be a diligent person when he grows up because he cares a lot. Like he puts the time into things. He's detail oriented. He doesn't like things that are messed up. And I think that really exemplifies this idea of how you do one thing is how you do everything. Even those little things that we do are a representation of our greater nature. Yeah, Sammy. The phrase is pretty self-explanatory in what it means, but the concept behind it is the idea that how we do anything in our life, the little things, the big things, it's going to be reflected in other aspects of our life as well. I think the example you give, Sammy, is really great with our little cousin, which is like someone who's that clean and particular about folding Gamundi, like a little piece of clothing, is going to for sure exhibit that in, in other parts of his life. I think another one we commonly see, Michelle, is people who have a more victim mentality. No matter what situation they are in, it's always like something bad happened to them. And you know these people, like you'll be talking to them, you'll be like, oh, like, how was your morning? Well, it was terrible because I went to get in my car and there was no gas in there. And I was like, what the heck? Like, how come there's no gas in my car? And it turned out that my, they, they always have like this negative narrative where bad things are deliberately happening to them. And that's how they kind of frame their whole viewpoint on the world. That's true, Sam. I've definitely seen that before. And it's like people apply that to their work, to their relationships, to the food that they get delivered at a restaurant. It's like in every situation, you end up hearing the same narrative. And it becomes very clear that that's like a part of who they are and how they see the world. On the other hand, I think more on a personal side, for me, when I think about how I do one thing is how I do everything, I know sometimes when I've like met people before, it can be shocking when I'm like, oh, I don't eat sugar, I don't use social media, I don't drink. And it just seems like, oh my gosh, I'm this like crazy person who like lives a super, super strict life. Like what cult are you in? <laughs> a cult of good health. Uh, <laughs> What it really is for me is that when I find that there is something in my life that I'm like either very addicted to or I feel like I'm doing way too much of it, I've always tried to control it. Like I tried to control my social media use. I tried to control how much sugar I eat. I tried to control how much I was drinking. And in all of those situations, like I don't have enough self-control or self-discipline to do things halfway. It's much easier for me once I identify something toxic in my life to just like cut it out. And so sugar was like the first thing where I was like, boom, I just can't eat sugar. Like, especially when it comes to like desserts, sodas, things like that. Like, it's just easier for me to say no. Social media, deleting the app off the phone, all that stuff doesn't work for me. No personal social media for me. Deleted it all. And then with the drinking, couldn't really control how many drinks I was having. It was difficult to make decisions when I was drunk. And I was like, boom, I'm just going to cut it out. And so for me, when it comes to handling those things, I do it very much the same way. Anyone who knows me can identify that pattern in so many different parts of my life. It's so true, Michelle. I was just thinking about how we went to dinner with my coworkers and 
they brought out this like amazing dessert and it's the first time I'm like hanging out with any of them outside of work and me Michelle like really want to like be polite and like be gracious that they invited us out but we were both like yeah we like really can't eat dessert like not even just to look nice or not even to like not make people feel bad that they're eating dessert <laughs> but like we're not we're really not gonna take any of those desserts oh <laughs> yeah yeah it's just easier for us to never eat dessert than to do it in moderation <laughs> yeah they brought out a des- dessert tray and it's definitely that first little bit of like yes well everything looks good but like i'm like i can't like we've been so good about sugar because we have like relapsed basically when we were at home and so we've been really good about it. And I was like, I like, that looks delicious. Like, you don't even know how much I love dessert. But I was like, I can't even pretend. To, I can't even take a bite right now because I know I have to control myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm exactly. Like, I just see that slippery slope. The wake up at night with all this <laughs> chocolate on my face. Like, ah! <laughs> it's so true. And there's like the moment where like, they're like looking at you and they're looking at the dessert tray. And then they're like, does anybody want any more? Do you guys want any more? And we're like, no, 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 really, no, really, 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 no. Move that tray right now. <laughs> out of my face. <laughs> I think about a date that I went on a few years back where it was like technically the second date with this guy, but the first date was in a park. So it was like the first date that would require anybody paying for the meal. And it was during COVID time. So we were at a place where like you order, and then you sit down. And so we went to the window to order and... I ordered the food and then it was time to pay. And like my date was like nowhere to be found. (laughs) So I paid for the food and then I'm like looking for him and he had like sat down at a table. It's just like self-seating like, you know, like you would at Chipotle or something. And so I go to sit down and there's like no mention of the fact that I just paid for this or like anything like that. And then finally at the end of the meal, he's just like, oh, so how much do I owe you? (laughs) And I remember I was just like, oh, my God, like, that's so trash. Like, who does that? Like, who just, like, disappears? It doesn't say anything. It's, like, technically, like, your first date with that person, like, first real date. And I remember, like, I had, like, a whole complex about this because I was like, even if that was my friend, you know, and they had paid for the food, as soon as they came to the table, if I had for some reason went to sit down without notifying them. Which is already crazy. Like, I would never abandon my friend while they were paying for my meal. Exactly. Like, at first I'd be like, oh, I'm going to go sit down and save us a table or something like that. And then once they come to the table, I'd be like, hey, how much was it? Like, let me pay you back. And given that this is a date, you know, kind of expect (laughs) them to pay for it. Not trying to be like that, but I am like that. Well, it's funny because, like, we had such a big debate about this, Amy. And I was like, you shouldn't go on another date with this guy, which I think what I didn't have the words for at that time was like, this dude is disrespectful. Like, how you do one thing is how you do everything. And I just mm-hmm. like was like, this is like a bad sign. Like, this person is not going to surprise you in other ways. Yes, you're so right, Michelle. It's like a little bit selfish, a little bit not really considerate to do. And I was really like skeptical about going on this date. But I had a girlfriend who was like, no, no, you're being too picky. You should go on another date. Those people are the worst. They're the worst people. And it's so funny because he continued to be the same person. Like he was talking about how his friend was getting a gift for his girlfriend. And he was like mocking how much effort and time his friend was putting into getting like the perfect gift for her. And he like looked at me and he was like, you wouldn't want that, would you? I'm like, yes, I would. Like I value someone who cares enough about (laughs) me to put time into a gift for me. I'm like, there's nothing funny about that. Like, that's a really sweet thing to do. He also implied that you could switch jobs, make a lot of money, and then he wouldn't have to work. 
this was all on the same date, two people. Like, this isn't like <laughs> you notice these signs on different dates. Like, on one date, all three of these things happened. Yeah, he was literally like, you'd be a really good financial advisor, and then I wouldn't have to work. I'm like, this is day two, and you're already trying to be a house husband. <laughs> That's the thing. He mooched on you for that meal. He's about to mooch on you for the rest of his life. So, yes, how you do one thing is how you do everything. And that's why I kind of like when people pay for the first date, because it kind of shows that they're being selfless. They're willing to do something without expecting something in return. They're grateful for you taking the time to come with them. It's not like I expect my partner to pay for all our future meals, but I do appreciate like that little gesture of gratitude when they pay for the first date. I agree with you, Sammy. It's the type of thing that I appreciate. And then what I've seen over time is... I've noticed a pattern that the people who are just like very willing to like split the check also tend to be less considerate about a lot of things. Another like things to look for when you're dating is like when people say like, oh, like when you go on a date with someone, like see how they treat the bartender or the waiter or the waitress. And I think that's also a really great thing to see because this person might be able to pretend to be sweet to you on one date, but are they also treating other people with respect? Like, is this something that comes to them naturally or is it they're kind of a rude person? Like, if someone is rude to another person while I'm on a date with them, that to me is like a major, major deal breaker. That is so true, Michelle. One test that I like to do is when I show up to the date, which is usually a few minutes late. One time it was an hour late. I'm sorry to that person. Like, so sorry. But usually it's a few minutes late and I'll say something like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm late. Like, were you waiting here long? Like, you know, normal thing to say. And how someone responds to that really shows a lot about their character. I think there's a lot of people, I would say most people who don't want you to feel like you had put them out, don't want you to feel like bad or guilty right off the bat. They'll say something like, oh, I wasn't waiting here long at all. Or, oh, no, like, don't worry about it. I was really enjoying sitting here outside, like with the birds or something really sweet like that. But then there are people who will be like, I got here about seven minutes ago. (laughs) And it's technically like a neutral thing to say, but it's actually a very interesting thing because they're like that type of person who kind of just like... Keep score. Yeah, they keep score and they tend to be a little bit less considerate, a little less willing to compromise in situations if they're like, I was waiting for seven minutes or I've been here for 15 minutes. The best person is the one where you're texting them. You're like, I'm sorry, I'm going to be late. And they're like, don't worry about it. I already got us a table. And oh, here's the coffee options. Like, which one do you think you want? Then they already bought it and they already paid for it. And you come there and like the whole day is already set up before you even got there. I'm like, yes, win-win, like wins all around. (laughs) Organized and considerate, great combination. I agree, Sammy. The first like random date I ever went on, I showed up early by accident because the guy lived like five minutes away and waited (laughs) to show up. And I swear to God, after that, I was like, I'm never doing this again. (laughs) So I'm also always late to my dates. And... Everyone's always really sweet about it, honestly. Like, I don't even think I've ever gotten, like, a neutral or a sassy comment. Like, most people have been really kind. But in the same regard, I will say that if I went on a date with someone and they were like, man, this girl's late to this date. I don't like somebody who's late to things. They shouldn't date me. Like, how I do one thing is how I do everything. I am late to everything the only places i'm on time or early is the airport and to my work everything else like i am so sorry it's a character flaw that i have no desire to fix i am late (laughs) 
to everything. And so, yeah, if somebody was like, yeah, like I kind of had an issue though, you were late, I'd be like, so great to meet you. I don't think we're meant to be. Like, it's just cultural. Like, Indian people are not early to things. Yes, Michelle is not on time to things, which I'm fine with because I know that that's how she is. And okay, it's not something Okay, hold on. You just admitted that you were an hour late to a date before. You are also <laughs> not on time to things. I'm not on time to things, but I'm not, like, as, like, always late as you. No, that's not true. You're literally always late. You're worse than me. 100%. I've been at home before where you're like, my date's... Like, I got to go meet on this day. And I'm like, didn't you say your date's at 630? It is 6.30. And you're like, just trying to do your hair. Lies. Yeah, not lies. <laughs> anyway, that's a good point, Michelle. You kind of also want people to know who you are and actually get along with the person that you are. Another instance where I've noticed this is, for example, moving here to a little small town. I think a lot of people were confused and sometimes genuinely concerned about my well-being <laughs> in regards to moving here. And I think they were like, you know, what are you going to do there? Like, are you going to be bored? Like, a lot, all the questions that you would have. And of course, I don't know how I'm going to feel once I'm here. But at the same time, I was kind of like, I'm kind of always a cheerful person. Like, maybe in like extreme situations, I'm unhappy. But in 90% of situations, I'm pretty cheerful. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be happy there too. And I did find that to be true. I'm like, I'm here and I'm fairly happy. And I think that's another thing is like, you can always count on like who you are to be there, even in different situations. I think that's true, Sammy. I agree. Like, I think you're very adaptable. And I think that one of the things that helps you make a big change like this is knowing you've done it many times in your life and that no matter what situation you walk into, like everything's not easy, but that you have a general positive outlook, which helps to make you feel good about the decisions that you're making. It's true, Michelle. And I think you have a positive outlook as well. Stop. And thanks for moving here with me. And it probably comes <laughs> from our extremely positive parents see the episode where urine was falling onto their head and they thought it was a sign from God. <laughs> it is true. I will say I realized this when I had my last job and like stuff was hitting the fan. I like don't even notice I do it. Sometimes I am always very positive about so many things and about my situation. And like my coworkers were starting to comment on it. They're like, oh, you're like so positive. <laughs> like they're like, we're kind of concerned for you. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah, exactly. But you know, actually, Sammy, something I was thinking about with that is like another good thing is that when you put yourself in new situations, you actually learn a lot about yourself. And so I would say a small thing to think about is that like if you are like, man, if I if how I do one thing is how I do everything. I don't really know how I do things. Put yourself in a new situation and like whether that's going somewhere by yourself or taking a drive around or whatever that means for you, you'll actually learn a lot about yourself and you can even start to apply that to other things like you're like okay I did this and I survived or I didn't and I now know that if I'm in this type of situation this is how I act and these are the things to think about that's so true Michelle I think it's amazing how resilient we all are as humans exactly Sammy but do not be upset people if you're listening to this and you're like how I do one thing is how I do everything and maybe I'm just on a bad path here no that is not true you can change everybody can change and even the smallest changes can precipitate big changes in your life because you can change one thing and that will change everything. I agree, Sammy. I think one way to look at the how you do one thing is how you do everything is to think in terms of, oh, where are the patterns in my life? 
But the other thing to think about is that a lot of times it's like the little things that set off a chain reaction. And that's also part of the reason, like how you do one thing is how you do everything, is that everything is related to each other and we're all going through like these different cycles. I completely agree with you, Michelle. And I think whenever I think about little changes making a big difference, I always think about me changing my finances. Before I dealt with my finances, I was literally spending all my money mindlessly and that mindless and unintentionality reflected how I did everything. Like I would get home and be like, I'm hungry, I need food, call Uber Eats, and then Uber Eats is super expensive and really unhealthy. And then also probably because I'm eating Uber Eats, I'm feeling like super tired after eating. And so I'm taking a nap when I should be doing work. And if people ask me to hang out, no matter who they were and how much I like them, I'm going to go hang out with people and I might be drinking there and then I'm going to feel tired and dehydrated. And I was getting sick like four times a year just because of not keeping up on my needs. And then the one thing I decided to change was my finances thanks to inspirational friends like Marina, you know who you are, love you. And I started tracking my spending. One of the first things to change was how I ate because I'm like, I don't know why I'm spending so much money on Uber Eats and then also on groceries. It's like pick a side, you know? (laughs) And so once I stopped Uber Eatsing, I was making my own food. And one thing about making your own food is like, I'm not going to make crappy food for myself So since I was making my own food, I was making more healthier food. Making more healthier food made me feel better. Being conscious about my spending also helped me be more aware of like how frequently I was going out and drinking or going out and going to dinner. So I cut back on all of those things, which gave me more time to do my own projects. So then I could pursue things that I actually really enjoyed. I do think like this is part of the reason we even have this podcast is because I had the space to think about those kind of things. So like that little change of changing my finances ended up changing a ton of things downstream. And ultimately, I feel like completely just changed the way I approach my life now with more intentionality versus before just like being just completely mindless and just being like a feather in the wind to like whatever's going on. It's so true, Sammy. And I think the takeaways are related to that in such a big way. The one thing being Obviously, consider how you do one thing is how you do everything. And that means two things, which is one, there are probably different patterns in your life that if you're able to identify them, it'll either help you predict how you'll react in the future, understand yourself a little bit more, or help you make changes. And that's to Sammy's point, one small change can actually have a major effect. We heard a really great quote while we were researching this, which was, If how you do one thing is how you do everything, then by changing one thing, you can change everything. And I think that is so true. And we don't even understand how making one habit change can actually have such a big influence on our life. Exactly, Michelle. And an episode related to this that I think would be good for our content corner this week is Mystic Michaela's episode titled Change Your Patterns, which is episode 75 of the Know Your Aura podcast. She specifically talks about how our patterns rule our lives and helps us try to recognize what patterns we have in our own life and how to change them in order to create a new reality for ourselves. So Sammy, are there any things that you are thinking about making small changes in your life to ideally have a greater effect? Great question, Michelle. As some of you may know, Lent is around the corner and 
I, I still like to participate in Lent. I think it's a great way to kind of reevaluate your patterns and behaviors and change yourself in a way that makes you a better person overall. I remember as a kid, one time I gave up television and being on the computer, which at that time was AIM, AOL Instant Messenger. And that like drastically changed me because I remember I was like completely out of the loop of what was going on with my friends and what everybody was talking about. And I kind of realized that like all of that is a false reality. And now today, you know, we can can see things like the metaverse forming and you really see how like that false reality is just taking on a whole new life. How we do one thing as a society has <laughs> is about to be everything in our society. Exactly. But this year I was thinking what I want to stop doing is stop talking negatively or participating in any type of like ill speech. So that would be talking bad about other people or saying things that might be cruel or harsh. Office, workplace, gossip. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think it's really common for people to bond over difficult things that are going on or, you know, people that are being frustrating. And I I noticed that in myself in the past. That's a common thing you talk about with your coworkers. That's a common thing you talk about with your friends. And my goal is to try to not do that. And it's really interesting because what I'm finding is a lot of times, a lot of times I participate in these conversations because I think I'm kind of supporting the other person or I'm making them feel better or making them feel heard. You do feel like if you said something like, oh, I don't want to talk about that with you, you're shutting down the other person and you're kind of leaving them isolated when they're feeling anxious or stressed about something. So this for me is learning how to walk that line of supporting someone, but without saying something negative about someone else. I love that, Sammy. And if our listeners have anything that they're thinking about or patterns that they want to change, definitely reach out to us. You can DM us at status post adulting. You can email us statusposadulting at gmail.com. And also, if our audio has been driving you crazy, this is better or worse, let us know because we only know what we hear. And so it would be great to get some feedback from you as well. And most importantly, be sure to join us next time as we put down the rule book and rethink the status quo.